and welcome to the Politics Home podcast, your weekly trip through the strange world of Westminster. We might be living in odd times, but one thing is certain about politics in 2019, there is no such thing as a quiet week. There were some big changes afoot this week as long-time second referendum sceptic Jeremy Corbyn finally went full hashtag FBPE and announced Labour's backing for a fresh public vote. And Theresa May of We Are Leaving the EU on March 29th fame did the previously unthinkable and opened the door to a Brexit delay. Just in case the news was feeling a little bit sleepy this week, Labour MP Chris Williamson was suspended after claiming the party had been too apologetic over the anti-Semitism controversy that has dogged his party. Joined on the pod by the fresh-faced, intrepid Yorkshire Post reporter who broke that story, uh, a young hack called Liz Bates, formerly of some niche politics website. Hello, Liz. Hello. And as ever, poll home editor Kevin Schofield is in the house to give his expert insight on all the week's happenings. (laughs) Hi, Kevin. I'm indeed. Hello. Right, so guys, I know you love this bit of the pod. Let's dive headfirst into the weeds of big Brexit changes. Um, after weeks of what seemed like stasis since Theresa May's massive Commons defeat, we've seen a couple of big changes. Theresa May's obviously long insisted that Britain will be leaving the EU at the end of March, uh, but uh, people in Westminster are now talking about the possibility of a delay. Kevin, why has that happened? Uh, well, she's been forced into it really by a cabinet rebellion by um, Greg Clark, Amber Rudd and David Gock, who are very strongly of the opinion that leaving without a deal, which we're currently on track to do, would be a catastrophe for the economy. So they basically laid it on the line to the Prime Minister and said, look, unless you um, take no deal off the table by, or at least reduce the chances of a no deal Brexit by giving us more time extending Article 50, putting off Brexit past 29th of March, then we will resign um, in order to vote for an amendment in the name of Yvette Cooper and Oliver Letman, Letwin, which would extend Article 50. So the Prime Minister blinked, basically. And it, and it wasn't just them, there were other ministers. I, mean, I saw talk of 20 ministers were, were looking to resign in order to rebel against the government on this one. So really, um, she was backed into a corner and eventually gave in, sort of gave in, but as you say, she's opened the, the door to extending it. So basically what will happen is we're going to have a meaningful vote on her deal by March the 12th. It could be as soon as next week, we understand. But anyway, she'll come back with a vote. If that is voted down, as most people think it will be, then there'll be a vote on whether to take no deal off the table. And then if that is uh, unsuccessful, then we have um, another vote on March the 14th, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, on extending Article 50. So basically she's saying, I'm washing my hands of it, it's in the hands of the Commons, and um, it's, up, it's up to you guys, basically. I think it for me, it was definitely one of those things that was a kind of... It was clearly more of a party management thing because there was these threats of resignations. From what I understand, you know, we'll have these series of votes, as Kevin has said, on the deal and then on no deal, and then on a delay to Brexit... But if all of those things, if none of those things pass and there's no parliamentary majority, the default position is still that we are leaving on March 29th with no deal. And I don't know, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but Parliament can vote against a no deal Brexit, um, but unless anything else happens on top of that, there's still no way to avoid it. Yeah, there still has to be a deal of some description. Either there's a deal or we just call the whole thing off, which isn't going to happen. No. So there has to be some kind of deal. But at the moment... It's hard to see what kind of deal can get through the Commons. And that is why, again, people are now talking about the possibility of a general election. Perhaps the only way of doing it is to change the MPs. But, you know, 
I mean, in order to do that now, you would have to extend Article 50 because you know there's no way we can have an election before the 29th of March. So um, that, and even then, would a general election change very much? I'm not convinced that we wouldn't get roughly the same type of result as we got the last time, and we'd still be in deadlock. And then it's like, well, what? No, maybe not an election, maybe a referendum. And I guess that brings us on to Labour's own shift I don't, um, this week. Just wanted to check though that the, the obviously the cabinet ministers and the, the ministers who openly called for a massive change of policy they've all been they've all been sacked right. So that's... <laughs> yeah, of course, because cabinet responsibility is still very much in place. Yeah. In part and the Tory party is run like a well-oiled machine. Yeah. And the party discipline across parliament absolutely. is just, it's and just really top draw. Is very quickly stamped upon. So uh, no, they are still all in their jobs, of course. Sure, sure. So, so I mean, how's their uh, intervention? People like you know Amber Rudd, David Gork, Greg Clark. How's that gone down with the the rest of the cabinet, uh, particularly the kind of Brexiteers at the top table? Well, yeah, there was the, a rather feisty cabinet meeting this week, in which Liz Truss accused those three of um, kamikaze tactics. She's very much in the Brexiteer camp. Andrea Leadsom apparently piled in, so did Gavin Williamson. So they got a bit of a rough ride at cabinet. Um, so, yeah, it hasn't gone down particularly well with their Brexiteer colleagues. I mean, but it's, you know, the Tory party split from, from top to bottom on this one. Um, Liz, in, in the background, has the PM made kind of any progress in her ongoing talks with the EU on the backstop? Is that still plan A, get changes to that, put it to a vote and, you know? Well, I think that's the, that's the goal, isn't it? But I think the answer to that is no. Um, I, I mean, I, I get the sense that EU leaders are kind of standing firm as they have been for a long time and saying, no, we're not going to make substantive changes. Um, I think they sent the Attorney General over this week, um, whose name is... Geoffrey Cox. Geoffrey Cox with the lovely voice. Well, yeah, the booming. Deep, deep, deep baritone uh, voice. The weird thing about that is that Geoffrey Cox was meant to make a big speech last week on Brexit, um, and that never happened. Um, so everyone was like, well, why did that not happen? Mm. It's just... It's just adds to the sense of confusion, you know. Um, and, yeah, the EU have been very steadfast. In fact, yesterday Emmanuel Macron said, um, well, look, we will veto an extension to Article 50 unless there is, like, a plan in place, unless it's for a purpose. We're not just going to give you more time just to kick the can further down the road and, um, you know, put off an ultimate... Uh, crunch point. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of factors still at play. The, the thing is, what they really need is, and I was speaking to um, a, a Brexiteer yesterday who voted against the deal the first time round, and this uh, MP was basically saying, I just want something to be able to go back to my constituents and say, this deal has changed, so that I can then vote for it this time round. So I think, and actually, it, funnily enough, a Labour MP said a similar thing to me, a quite, you know, middle of the road, Labour MP that also hasn't voted for the deal before um, said to me, I don't want a delay, I just want to move on I just need number 10 to give me something um, so that it doesn't look like I've basically changed my mind over the last month and decided, oh I hated this deal before and now I, and now I suddenly love this deal so they just, need, they just need a bit of shift from the EU they're, they're not getting any but I mean we don't know, there's, there's still a bit more time. And at least as though as well there's some stuff around this morning that the government is looking to um, buy off some Labour MPs, one by giving them money for their constituencies, but also watering down the country union legislation, make it easier to um, go on strike essentially by having online balloting, which up until now the government's been absolutely dead set against, even though the trade unions think that would be a pretty modern reform. So um, they're trying desperately, basically, just to try and get MPs on board from wherever they can get them. If you're an MP, now is the time to ask for things that you have wanted. For Definitely. a long time. You've got massive leverage at the moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. 
just draw up a wish list of yeah. anything absurd you want. Yeah, a pony, some gold shoes, anything. <laughs> perfect, perfect. <laughs> um, so, so, I mean, are there any signs that this this possibility of kind of an Article 50 extension could spook Brexiteers into backing Theresa May's deal? Because they think, oh, hang on, if we if we don't get behind this, we might lose the March 29th exit date. Well, yeah, I mean, that that's the other bit of thinking, and it could possibly peel off a few. You know, they could think, oh, my God, I just want to get out on the 29th of March... Um, because by delaying, you know, you are, I guess, increasing the chances, albeit maybe quite, quite, um, not by very much, of Brexit not happening. Because, you know, it gives more time for a second referendum to happen. It could be ultimately a Remain vote and Brexit might not happen. So maybe, like, you know, burden the hands were two in the bush type of thing. Now, you touched on it earlier, Kevin, but it's obviously no secret that Jeremy Corbyn's long been quite reluctant to throw his party behind a second Brexit referendum. Um, what did he announce on, on Monday night on this? Yeah, well, the, the context of this is quite important because he was facing the Parliamentary Labour Party, the weekly meeting. Now, Jeremy doesn't go every week, and that's not unusual. Party leaders don't need to go to it every week. But he, he was there going on Monday night, which was promising to be quite a, a ferocious affair, given all the anti-Semitism stuff that's been bubbling around of late again. Um, so he had an, an announcement to make, basically, that Labour would, if they couldn't get their deal through, and it's difficult to see how that's possible, they would support, either put forward their own amendment for a second referendum or support somebody else's amendment on a second referendum, which um, depends how you look at it. On the one hand, it's a big, massive shift. You know, Labour, Jeremy Corbyn support a second referendum, referendum or, the other hand, the way that the leader's office were trying to say was, well, look, this isn't... We're just falling on from policy that was agreed at party conference. We're trying to get a general election. That's failed. We're trying to get our deal passed of the government to accept what we want Brexit to look like. That's not going to happen. So the only other show in town is a second referendum. So they're inch by inch creeping towards formally backing a second referendum. How's that gone down with um, Brexiteers in the party lid? I don't think they liked it, to be honest. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it's that, this is another, for me, party management uh, type of issue. There's been, they, they've been talking for a long time about keeping it on the table as part of a range of options, and a lot of people have, have looked at that line and thought... They, they just don't want to ever back a, a second referendum, and they never will. But there's been increasing pressure within the party now that those other options, as Kevin said, have been, you know, uh, uh, have kind of been ruled out, and it looks like they're not going to get them to throw their weight behind a, a, a second referendum or a people's vote, as the campaigners call it. But actually, I think the, I think the feeling within the sort of in the party leadership is that what they probably want to do is be seen to have back to this because they said that they would so they're going to put down an, an amendment I think probably what they're hoping is that there's no parliamentary, no parliamentary majority for that, I think they would be you know, quite disappointed if this actually ended up yeah. um, resulting in a second referendum yeah, I mean I don't think that's too that's, no, too that, that, that's, that's not controversial at all I mean it's a fact that Jeremy Corbyn does not want a second referendum You know, he's been dragged kicking and screaming to this point and yeah he wouldn't shed any tears at all if he managed, on the one hand, to um, uh, meet the requirements of the party policy of calling for a referendum, but at the same time, the Commons voting it down, because he, he doesn't want one to happen. And I think he's quite safe, because I think at the moment there definitely isn't a parliamentary majority for a second referendum. Um, but somebody did make the point to me this week that other, party, other political leaders have... Um, 
have come a cropper before by throwing their weight behind referendums that they thought would never happen or <laughs> that they could that they would never lose how, like how is David, David Cameron, Cameron these days? yeah <laughs> yeah exactly do we do we know what's going to be you know you know what would be on any second referendum ballot paper that that labor backed oh, well that's the other thing there's real confusion about that so you had Emily Thornberry coming out all guns blazing on Monday night saying yeah we're now back in a second referendum and it will basically be um, the choice will be Theresa May's deal or remain and we'll be back and remain and that is definitely not the position that Jeremy Corbyn's office want out there they are the way they've described it is that it has to be a credible leave option against remain on the ballot paper so yesterday I asked his spokesman well would that mean a credible leave option would that could that mean, you know, Theresa May's deal? And they wouldn't say yes. And I said, well, would a credible um, leave option basically be any deal that the Commons passes? And he said, well, well, we've said a credible. And I said, well, who decides if it's credible or not? Oh, well, you know, we'll, 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 come, we'll cross that bridge when we come to this type of thing. So, again, it's all very, very confused. They will not say on the record yet it will be between Theresa May's deal and Remain. Which is what Emily Thornberry said. So, and that's what Keir Starmer has said as well, the Shadow Brexit Secretary. So, you know, Labour are, you know, just like the Tories, are also pretty split on Brexit. It's almost like they've got no idea what they're doing. <laughs> I, I know the feeling. Um, Liz, obviously, we saw the the you know big news last week was the setting up of the independent group of MPs. Um, we had uh, eight Labour MPs leave leave the fold to join that group. Um, mm-hmm. That whole group is pro a second referendum. Is there a sense in which um, the setting up of that group has, has kind of forced Jeremy Corbyn's hand on this? TIG, as we call them, yes, for, sorry, for short, the TIGGers. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it, it sort of it seems like that is the case. Um, although I have to say, I mean, the 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 people who who left Labour Party last week, and a lot of them were talking about the fact that. They'd been out of step with the leadership for a long time on Brexit. But to be honest, a lot of those MPs had been out of step with the leadership for a long time on lots and lots of different things. And uh, you know, there was some personal animosity, I think, between some of them and Jeremy Corbyn. So it wasn't all about Brexit. I think it's it may have kind of put pressure on the on the party in a sense. But I, for, for me, it's much more about party struggles at, at the top like Keir Starmer I think for a long time has been much more pro a second ref, a second referendum than the party leadership and Tom Watson and Tom Watson of course and I think it's about about those internal struggles at the top of the party rather than I, I really don't see Jeremy Corbyn and his team being hugely moved by Chris Leslie leaving the party if I'm honest no you're right it's, it's a party management thing because I think there were quite a few who had Labour not at least signalled that they're going to support a second referendum, they would have gone and joined the Tiglot as well. Hello, it's Matt here with a message from the Politics Home membership team. If you're looking to engage with the most influential people in UK politics and ensure your message gets heard by politicians, policymakers and national press, you can do so by becoming a Politics Home member. Politics Home offers a place for policymakers, experts and parliamentarians to exchange ideas and raise awareness of the important issues in politics. Politics Home members have the opportunity to publish op-eds, press releases, event coverage and interviews which are hosted on a dedicated area of the site and managed by a top team of consultants who prepare personalised communication plans and help promote your pieces across Poll Home's social media channels and email bulletins. To find out how Politics Home can help your organisation engage with key figures across the UK political spectrum 
or if you're an MP or peer who'd like to write a piece for us, please email the team at centrallobby at politicshome.com. That's centrallobby at politicshome.com. Thanks. Now, uh, guys, the other major story gripping Westminster this week um, was actually yours, Liz. It was the suspension of Labour MP Chris Williamson after he said the party had been too apologetic about anti-Semitism. I'm just going to play listeners a clip of what he said to a meeting of the Momentum Group in Sheffield. The party has done more to stand up to racism. It's now being demonised as a racist bigoted party. And I've got to say, I think our party's response has been partly responsible for that. Because in my opinion, I know how the voters say, we've backed our party much. We've given too much ground. We've been too apologetic. benefit of the uh, listeners um, let them peek behind the curtain a little bit yeah, as on. to how you got that story I mean don't tell us obviously how you got the story you're asking me to reveal detail. my sources not at all not at all of course I'm not and I would never dream of doing such a dastardly thing but if you just give an idea of how you came across the story um, uh, so basically it's the Sheffield Momentum Group they posted it to their public Facebook page somebody gave me a nudge and said have you seen this mad video there you go. There you go, folks. That's how journalism works. That is, that that is, is the magic. Journalism. Yeah. So this wasn't that, I, some... just, I just said journalism wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that is journalism. <laughs> There's hope for us all. If Liz can do it, you can too. I always told you guys I'd get a story. You never believed me. Yeah. Not, not, not when you worked here. But anyway, <laughs> at least you came through in the end. <laughs> well, I just, uh, need, I just needed to leave here. <laughs> Get my big break. So, Liz, you you, um, you chuck that hand grenade onto onto Twitter uh, on uh, Tuesday night. Yeah. What was the reaction to to the video like? The early reaction from um, Chris Williamson's Labour colleagues. Um, it, I mean, it, it immediately it got quite a lot of pickup and reaction, which I was really surprised at actually, because, um, well, it, it, when I actually saw the video for the first time, I just. Uh, and it's it's sad that we've kind of got to this place, but I just thought, well, that's just same old Chris Williamson. And there'd already been a story about him that day. That day, yeah. It wasn't um, even the, the only anti-Semitism Chris Williamson story. Because he booked a room for Jackie Walker, who is a suspended um, Labour activist. Uh, she said something anti-Semitic, and she's currently suspended. Um, and he'd booked a room for her in Parliament to show a documentary. And that, that story was already out there about Chris Williamson. And I just thought, well, this is just another thing to add to the long list of things that Chris Williamson has done. And probably because, because of that, it won't get a lot of pickup. But immediately it started to get um, pickup from um, Labour people who don't even usually speak out that much against mm. people like Chris or, you know, talk about anti-Semitism that much. And calls immediately from MPs and lots of other people to say actually now is the time, we need some action um, you know calls <clears throat> calls for suspension and disciplinary action, which I was which I was quite surprised at Now just before PMQ's um, Chris Williamson he's, he's the Derby North MP we should say he, he posted an apology on Twitter saying that he, he sort of deeply regretted his choice of words was trying to stress how much the party had done to tackle 
anti-Semitism. How did that go down, Kevin? Well, before that, Labour had finally, I think about 12 hours after Liz had broke the story, Labour finally put out a statement saying it was a disgrace. He shouldn't have done it. He should apologise and withdraw his remarks. and It was unacceptable. Um, oh, I should say, actually. So on the night that I posted the video, I approached Labour and said, do you want to comment? And they said, no, no thanks. <laughs> I mean... I mean, it's just extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, yeah. this is, uh, you know, against the backdrop of the party um, supposedly reaching out to the Jewish community and clamping down on anti-Semitism, you know? I mean, it's extraordinary. So they eventually, as I say, got their behinds in gear and put out this statement, uh, and then on the back of that, he apologised. Right. But then there was a backlash to the apology. Tom Watson and lots of other people, but Tom Watson particularly said, you know, this is um, doesn't go far enough, it's half-hearted, if it was up to me, I would suspend them. But, you know, for the, for the deputy leader of the party to say that, you know, it's massive pressure on the leader's office. So fast forward to after PNQs, we have a briefing with both Downing Street and then Jeremy Corbyn's office after it. In the briefing with Jeremy Corbyn's office, his spokesman announced that um, Chris Williamson had been served with what's known as a notice of investigation into a pattern of behaviour, but he would not be suspended while that was taking place. So again, that caused another massive row and backlash and people saying this is a disgrace. Well, why? He's only not being suspended because he's Jeremy's mate. Blah, 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 blah. And that went on until about five o'clock yesterday when, completely out of the blue, the same spokesman sent me a two-line statement saying uh, Chris Wilson has been suspended. Um, so, I mean, to say that they've handled this badly would be an understatement. I think they finally got to the right decision but the fact that they couldn't take it swiftly uh, and, it, as I say, it had to be dragged out of them just reflects pretty badly on them, I think. I, I, I think that what has this, this has shown up again is that their fundamental problem with anti-Semitism allegations against the party is that they view it as a PR problem. It's a media management problem. And so they're always reacting to things that happen. Instead of seeing that video initially and thinking, wow, OK, we need to sort this out because... We want to build bridges with the Jewish community. And they, make an example of Chris Williamson, right? That's exactly. an opportunity, actually, here. Suspend them and, you know, we get on the front foot. Yeah, but instead they wait and wait for media reaction, for loads of pressure to pile upon them, and then eventually they take the decision that they should have done 10 hours ago off their own bat without any without the need for the hysteria around it. And as, unless they make that shift mentally to actually realise, look, an MP like Luciana Berger, who is well-liked, well-respected in Parliament, felt that she was not protected by her party leader as a Jewish MP. And because of that, the Jewish community in this country cannot look at the Labour Party and feel that they would be safe if they were in government. If they don't understand that, then they are, they're never, ever going to get on top of this problem. The, the Shadow Chancellor John McDonnell was on um, ITV's Peston last night and he was sort of talking about the steps that, that you know, he'd argued the party had taken. They've just brought in uh, Charlie Faulkner, who was um, uh, Justice Secretary under under the Tony Blair government, to kind of uh, take a lead on these cases. But it doesn't seem to be a process thing anymore. I, is this about kind of the culture of the party? Is, is it a matter of, of leadership now? Yeah, it has to come from the top. I see Tom Watson this morning saying that he's seeking a meeting with Jeremy Corbyn on Monday to discuss how the party goes forward on mm. the whole anti-Semitism stuff because it's quite clearly that what they're doing at the moment isn't working. And, you know, as Liz said, you know, they have to show that they are reaching out to the Jewish community um, because they've got, you know, an awful lot of bridges to rebuild. And um, 
you know, you know, they just seem so defensive on it. And again, this comes from the very, very top. And Chris Williamson, I think, was very, very instructive. You know, it took them such a long time to do the right thing. Um, and it just speaks to a culture emanating from the leader's office, which doesn't give the Jewish community or Labour Party members in general, I guess, the, the confidence that the party's taking it seriously and wants to get on top of it. Because unless they do, you know, it's just giving the Tories an absolute open goal come the next general election. Yeah, and I, I think amid a sort of a bit of a vacuum in the leadership of the party on this issue, Tom Watson, over the last week or so, has hugely stepped up. And he was saying uh, recently, you know, send any um, anti-Semitic... Uh, claims or allegations or you know incidents to me so that I can you know be on top of it and and pass it on to the to the right people he's really taken ownership of this issue um and I think if you were you know looking at the Labour Party from outside you'd be thinking yeah actually that's the kind of leadership that we want the, the thing is as well that I can tell you that the shadow cabinet met on Tuesday morning as well and at that meeting lots of um shadow cabinet members ganged up on Tom Watson to um basically have a go at them for doing that, for um, uh, for setting up this. They, they called it a shadow complaints process. They said they shouldn't be doing that. And it was put to me last night that uh, Tom Watson was like uh, was like a cowboy in a Wild West firm because he was just getting all these people were throwing, like, hand grenades at him. I'm kind of mixing my metaphors a little bit there. But they were like, <laughs> and I got him. And he was just like going, pow, 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 his gun just shooting them down as they were coming at him from all around the table. I mean... That itself shows you how, how much of a how, how much of a mess Labour are in about this at the moment. Mm, the that was me doing gun noises, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> like a little kid. It's very it's very realistic. It's good. Isn't it? I was scared. Right, guys, let's move on to a few questions from poll home listeners. Uh, first one is from longtime friend of the pod, Patrick Maguire, who asks Liz specifically, uh, <laughs> have those have those who have joined Tig the new independent group, will they inevitably end up rejoining their old parties because they just can't stay away? Ooh. Um, yeah. I, the, the, I'm not sure, really. I think, look, both. so both of the different factions, the Labour MPs and the, and the Tory MPs that defected to join TIG, they, they had seen their parties change fundamentally and that's why they left. So potentially, if their parties changed fundamentally in a, in a you know back to what they used to be, then it's possible that those MPs would want to go back. I think, especially on the Labour side, relationships are too severed, and also it's not that easy, especially again on the Labour side, to just say, oh, by the way, I kind of want my old seat back, um, because there's a lot of horse trading around selections and that type of thing. So no. I think it's unlikely that those MPs would go back, to be honest. I concur with Liz's assessment of the situation. This is a question from uh, Susan Bates, Liz. I have no idea who that woman is. (laughs) Never heard of her. Excellent. Um, Something's known as mum. (laughs) Susan Bates asks, Liz, why don't you ever call me anymore? You think you're such a big celebrity now. Uh, No, she said, who is the most inept leader? May or Corbyn? We don't have any views, obviously, but you've got to you've got to make a call. As a, as a, as seriously, I couldn't I couldn't call it. I honestly couldn't call it. It's fifty fifty, really. They've, neither of them have covered themselves in any glory this week. So uh, you really you can't you can't put a fag paper between them. They've steadily lowered the bar, just you know, incrementally over the time that they've been um, in Parliament, and they're both crap. I would say. What an uplifting message for our wonderful <laughs> listeners. 
just time now for the weirdest stories of the week. Uh, Kevin, what was your weirdest pick of the week? Well, my one actually follows on from what, that last question about um, inept leaders. So last night there was these votes in, in Parliament um, and the one was the, the Cooper Amendment and uh, Tory MPs were whipped to support it. Uh, but apparently, for whatever reason, there was a breakdown in communications between the Whip's office and Tory MPs, and they were they didn't know who they were supposed to be voting for. Some apparently, a minister went up to um, Julian Smith, who's the chief Whip, and said, "You don't know what you're doing," and he replied, "I do know what I'm doing." So that's, <laughs> that's encouraging. And even even Theresa May, the Prime Minister of this country, was unsure about how she was supposed to vote. Uh, in House of Commons, so uh, yeah, I'd say that was pretty weird. We're in safe hands. Um, Liz, what was your weirdest story of the week? My weirdest story of the week was Theresa May uh, in the Commons saying simples. Oh, yeah. Is that my weirdest story of the week? Yeah, Yeah, that was weird. That was weird. (laughs) weird. That was weird. So, yeah, I mean, I I guess it's, yeah, so that's, it's the, um, it's the car advert that's... Compare the market. The, yeah. the meerkat. You're not in touch yeah, with yeah. your ten-year-old. Well, that's what <laughs> someone someone made that point. Yeah, that that, that that it shows you how in touch Theresa May is that she's finally using a catchphrase that was first coined a decade ago. You know, yeah. Probably I mean, she's I... really cool as well. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was quite cool. Um, I wonder if you just if she if she just misspoke or she loves the meerkat advert or I don't know. It could be anything. The, the, the it, was, it was fun. The meerkat company. Um, did a little tweet capitalising on on the PM's uh, use of their catchphrase. So that's great. They've had a good week. Oh, that's good. <laughs> no it's, good it's, good that it's good that we're not less than a month away from a catastrophic no-deal Brexit, you know, yeah. and that we've got other stuff that we can be um, focusing on. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's top advertising for them. Well, guys, I'm afraid that is um, all we've got time for again. Uh, don't forget, if you want to sign up for our free seven-day-a-week breakfast briefing, get all the morning's top stories delivered to you while you're eating your Cheerios, go to politicshome.com forward slash register. Until next week, have a good one. Costa's offie. Yeah, yeah, that was Kevin's oh, tweet. I did, I did one that no one liked on Twitter. Oh, what was it? It was when David, when David Liddington said they were going to back the Costa Amendment. Yeah. And I put Costa Lidding Crisis. <laughs>